Military Veterans in Journalism proudly presents Sword and Pen. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Pen, a monthly military veterans and journalism podcast dedicated to inspiring and educating our MVJ members. I'm your host, Lori King, and I thank you for tuning in. This episode of Sword and Pen is very special to me because I'm literally in a place right now where my military career ended nearly 23 years ago. The 180th Fighter Wing, an Ohio Air National Guard base near Toledo. Let me explain. It was on a Sunday in July of 2020, and after 21 years of serving as a military journalist, I drove out of the gate of this base as a civilian. Retiring from the Air Guard was a bit surreal for me because I had spent my first 18 years in the Army. Anyway, I now live only a few miles from the Guard base, which is home to F-16 Fighting Falcon jets. If we're lucky, we'll hear them roar over us during the podcast because I'm recording the show out of the office of the 180th Public Affairs Office, where I used to be the editor of the Eunice newsletter, The Stinger, which is still being published, I'm happy to report. If you haven't guessed already, my esteemed guests are members of the Public Affairs Office, and I'm recording this show during their monthly drill, so they are all present and accounted for. For this episode, we are going to learn all about the mission of a Public Affairs Office, what it's like being a military journalist, and the value this National Guard unit adds to the community. Representing the PA office will be Senior Master Sergeant Beth Holliker, the Public Affairs Superintendent and Chief Enlisted Manager, Staff Sergeant Craig York, and Sarah Stalder Lundgren, both PA specialists, and Major Matt Eck, the Chief of Public Affairs. Thank you for joining me on the show. Beth, let's start with you. Uh, You actually enlisted with the 180th as a photographer just two months before I retired, so we really didn't get a chance to work together but we've bumped into each other over the years when I would come to the base for the Toledo Blade newspaper. Beth is a graduate of Bowling Green State University's Visual Communication Technology Program and also attended the Still Photography and Public Affairs Officer courses at the Defense Information School. In fact, your entire staff graduated from DINFOS, so we'll definitely talk about that school in a bit. As for your job here, you've been the Public Affairs Manager since 2007, and you handle the wing's internal and external communications, media and community relations, and visual information. Uh, There's no way you can accomplish all of those things during a weekend drill. Can you explain how you get the job done? Well, with any job, it's always a challenge. There's always more to do than hours in the day and people to do them. So thankfully, we have a good team, and we can multitask, and everybody's got their special skill set that we can kind of depend on. Um, You'll hear from Staff Sergeant York later, who came in as a broadcaster, but has also turned into a very fabulous photographer. We can rely on their specialties and what they're good at to kind of share the tasks that we have. During the week, we are very community relations heavy. We do a lot of tours and public speaking events and coordinate a lot of flybys, and we do a little bit less visual information. We do more visual information, photography, and video during our training weekends when we have the whole office here. So they get to get out and use the cameras and create videos and photography products and some awesome articles. Uh, You have two roles, don't you? I mean, are you full-time and part-time? Yes, I am full-time. I'm a federal technician during the week. I wear the uniform. And then one weekend a month, two weeks a year, give or take, I am a drill status guardsman. So how long have you been in each? I have been a drill status guardsman for just over 23 years. I had my anniversary last month in May. 
and I started as a full-time federal technician in this office in 2003. Uh, you have quite a travel resume in support of state partnerships and allied nations exercises. You've been to Turkey and Qatar and Iraq and Hungary and Serbia. What is the role of a public affairs manager during those deployments? During the Turkey, Iraq, and Qatar deployments, I was strictly a photographer before our office became public affairs. Our office started off as strictly visual information and multimedia. So I got to focus on my passion of photography and didn't have to do much public affairs or journalism. In 2007, the visual information office and the public affairs office merged together and we combined what we call AFSCs or career fields. That is when I learned to do journalism and public affairs went through the public affairs officers course. And probably when I finally used those skills during traveling was in Serbia for a joint army and multinational training exercise. And my position, I communicated with the embassy and government officials and the airmen and the other nations to make sure that we were communicating properly and sharing the same messages, ensuring that we Take avoided any red lines that could cause um, regional conflicts because of our positions. When we are writing for the Department of Defense, we are writing for the Department of Defense. It is not just Beth Holliker writing an article. So the things that we say in these articles are on behalf of the Department of Defense, and we have to make sure that we are doing things the right way. And then the other one that we did was during Hurricane Irma, I was deployed in support of the gov Florida governor's um, state of emergency. And my position there was to handle um, media relations, lots of national media attention, because Hurricane Irma came right after Hurricane Harvey, which was catastrophic in the Texas area. So a lot of eyes were on Hurricane Irma, and we coordinated media on the ground in the Florida Keys and did some direct interviews in support of those national emergencies. Let's shift gears with a fun fact. Uh, your PA office has won nearly 20 National Guard Bureau Media Awards since 2019 for photography, videography, and journalism. Uh, can you tell us about those awards, and is there a secret sauce to being that successful? The secret sauce is this team. We always joke around that we are the BAPA team, and what I mean by that is the badass public affairs team. It really helps when your people have a passion for the job, and every person here does. They love what they do. They don't need a lot of motivation, and they come back with outstanding products every single time. And I think if you didn't have a passion for the job, we wouldn't have the success with these awards or communicating with our area residents, Northwest Ohio. But because everybody loves what they do, they love the F-16s in this unit and their community, it just makes it so much easier. Have you ever had a ride in an F-16? Yes, I have. And what was that like? Um, the first couple of times were strictly for photo opportunities, so it was nice and slow and steady so I could take the photos. The second time I ended up in a training mission that I wasn't expecting, and it was a ride of a life and probably the best puke I've ever had. <laughs> when I was offered an F-16 ride, I said no thanks because of that. I get airsick. And I would do it again. <laughs> I would do. It's definitely an experience that you know less than 1% of the population gets the chance to enjoy. So I would do it again. I did have one strictly for entertainment. I'd won an award, and that was where I got to do the loops and the rolls and, um, you know, see, see the scenery and have a really good time. Oh, but. I do regret saying no. I mean, what an experience. And they fly over my house all the time, and just about every time is like, I wish I would have done it. And we're hoping soon that we can get each of our um, folks in the office qualified to fly in the back seat as photographers. So it's a long process, and there's a lot of work behind it. 
but hopefully we can get them to the altitude chamber and get them up there during training missions, not just a photo op mission. I didn't know that was a thing. It sure is. Uh, I have to admit, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with all of the roles you juggle, including owning your own portrait photography business uh, in the Northwest Ohio area. Do you have your own studio? I am more of an on-location outdoor photographer, but I do have a small space in my home for indoor sessions, um, newborns, small children. It's not large enough for a family, but I'm more of a natural light outdoor photographer. And you do have a family. I do. Um, my husband is also in the military, and I have three rambunctious boys who are hopefully enjoying this great summer day today while we're here in the office. How old are they? One is, will be 15 in about two weeks. I have a 13-year-old and a 7-year-old. Wow. I'm sorry. He is 8 years old now. <laughs> oh, how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he will let me know. Uh, Staff Sergeant York, uh, you are the Wing's full-time public affairs specialist. What are your primary responsibilities in that role? Um, pretty much uh, helping Sergeant Holliker get done anything that she needs to get done. A lot of that is going to be more of the visual information aspect, so actually going out, getting the shots, covering different things. Sergeant Holliker does a lot of the administrative things, managing people, things like that, so she doesn't always have the time to go out and do those things, and that's one of the areas I really step in. So visual information, helping manage the our website, our social media accounts, and all of that, as well as just being there to assist in any other duties that need to be done. You've been in the 180th since 2017, but racked up quite a list of National Guard Media Awards in that short amount of time. Second place videographer of the year, second place military photographer of the year, and the list goes on. What is your media background? Uh, Were you interested in visual storytelling as a kid? Did you work for your high school newspaper? Did you go to college for broadcasting or photography? So I think it's something I've always been interested in, but I wasn't really aware I was interested until I actually enlisted. Um, so throughout like high school and everything, I was very much focused on music and things like that. I actually wanted to go to school to be a music teacher. And so I joined the National Guard to help me do that so I could go to school, get my degree, and it all be paid for through the National Guard. In doing so, uh, I heard about this job thought it sounded kind of neat. Some people said it was really hard to get. At the time, you had to pass a voice audition to be able to get in. I wanted to go for it, and I ended up falling in love with this career field. I didn't know all of the cool stuff I'd be able to get to do, and my whole career path completely changed. So you were striving to be in the band, and you ended up behind a camera. Pretty much. If if we had a band here, I probably would have (laughs) joined, but I'm kind of glad that I, I'm, I'm very glad that I ended up where I am. Well, it makes sense that you're responsible for cross-training the photographers here in a variety of skill sets, uh, which is necessary in this day and age because gone are the times when you only had one skill to hone. What are your drills like? What kind of training do you do with them? Um, So on drill, especially with our airmen being pretty fresh from their technical training and all that, uh, it's really just kind of going through and kind of testing their knowledge, seeing what they know, what they still have to learn, and helping them be able to hone their skills, and really be able to go out on their own and excel in every possible manner. What kind of skills are you teaching them? So everything from just ensuring that they can always get a basic exposure in their camera, understanding uh, things like focal length, how it works, your all the different parts of your camera, composition, processing your imagery, um, and really just telling stories through your imagery. Did you learn that in DINFOS, or is it a mixture of self-trained and you learned at DINFOS? Because DINFOS, they have shortened their training. So we'll talk about that in a minute. So I'd say it's definitely a mixture. So when I came in, I came in as a broadcast communication specialist. 
And so I went through about four months of training in video, audio, radio, uh, broadcast writing. And so things like uh, photography were still very foreign to me at the time. And then through Dinfos, I got really just a basic foundation. And then through really great trainers here at the 180th with Sergeant Holliker and some of our uh, former members out here, um, I've learned a lot from them, but a lot of it did also come from my own curiosity and passion and trying to pursue as much information as I could. What is your favorite medium? Uh, what kinds of stories do you like to tell? So when it comes to telling stories, I really do like video as a storytelling medium, um, but I also love taking photos. From an actual just going out and shooting, I'd much rather be doing photo. When it comes to trying to tell a really good story, I'm usually going to try to go more on the side of the video. Do you follow Jeremy Locke at all? I don't. Do you know who he is? Um, yes. He's, made, he's won Military Photographer of the Year for years and years and years. He, I think he's since retired from the military, but uh, go look him up. Mm. And his work is phenomenal. Do you ever strive to be on, like, combat camera? Well, with, uh, with my family ties here in the area, one of the things I really like about the Guard is that I can be where I'm at and kind of plant my roots. So something like combat camera would take me away from that. So it's not in the cards for me, but uh, it's, it's definitely been very tempting. Do you have a family? Um, yep, I have a wife, um, a great dog, hopefully kids down the road at some point, but currently it's just me and my wife. What town do you live in? So I live in Holland, Ohio, pretty close to the base. Okay, we're kind of neighbors. I live in Monclova, right down the road. Okay. Sarah, uh, you are one of the newbies here. I am. Uh, you've been at the 180th since 2021 and graduated from DINFOS just last year. In fact, this is only your eighth official drill weekend working in this office. I've, <laughs> I'm surprised when you say that. Um, I, it, it's a combination of feeling like you've been here for no time at all, and also you, it feels like home. So it's Time a, is going to fly by. Absolutely, yes. What made you join the Guard, and why as a public affairs specialist? I joined the Guard actually at the end of 2020 at an unusual time in my life that's not maybe the traditional route so I was 35 two kids a pretty good human resources career uh, already have my degrees so a lot of those typical pathways that people choose to join the guard wasn't really what drew me in as we all recall 2020 was a very interesting year and for me as a single mom coming home from work every day and watching the news and seeing the lines city blocks long of families waiting outside food banks uh, when the schools were no longer uh, open and supplying that food, the civil unrest. There were just so many things that were going on that it kept me up at night and I wanted to be ready and available to be able to help during times like that. I wanted to be able to go to the next biggest city here in Ohio and be able to help my, my fellow Ohioans. So the guard really took me by surprise and I was lucky enough to find the 180th in Toledo as one of the best kept secrets in Ohio, maybe in the U.S. I believe that we have one of the most incredible bases. So got really lucky that I was so close to the best one I could have and then ended up in the best job you can get. What was your job before you came here? So I'm still a human resources professional. So I work for a Fortune 500 and we run um, a large warehouse. So I have about 140 employees I help. So being there just in general, I have a drive to just 
be around and be helpful. Um, I want to be needed and I want to be a go-to person. So those are the things that I get a lot of job satisfaction out of. So HR certainly uh, keeps you on your toes and provides that that job satisfaction, but I couldn't imagine how much um, joining the Air Guard would have changed my life. What college did you go to and what are your degrees? I have, so the colleges I've gone to, I have a bachelor's from the Ohio State University. That's in family financial management. I did think I was going to be a social worker one day until I realized that I needed to make more money. And also, I don't have the heart. I would cry every single day if I was a social worker. So I learned that about myself during that degree. Um, And then through a series of management jobs after my bachelor's, I realized that HR, human resources, really provided me the opportunity to be the go-to person, the expert in the field, and provide people with the support, especially employees that sometimes feel uh, disengaged from their workplace or unsupported. I got to step up and be that person that could find you the answers and help you through your problems. So it was a perfect fit. And I got my master's from, uh, at the time it was called Kaplan University. So none of those jobs have had anything to do with public affairs? Not necessarily, no. What drew you to journalism, mass communication? So HR truly is mass communication. So a lot of my experience over the nine, 10 years that I've been doing HR is truly how do you communicate effectively and engage a mass amount of people. And in that way, I've used a little bit of graphic design, uh, try to use your visuals, you're giving presentations, you're public speaking. So at the core, many of those daily job duties did transfer over, but I certainly had no background in professional photography, nothing in videography, journalism, the public affairs side of things, which I absolutely love, and then a lot more graphic design than I had ever been exposed to. And Dimphos was beautiful in that way that I was in the longer six-month course. So Dimphos really was able to maximize that time and put all of those main topics in there, especially for someone like me who had really essentially no background in those things. But at the core, I find a lot of similarities between the two fields. Yeah, you actually graduated from the mass communications course at Dinfos last year. I know a lot has changed at Dinfos over the years. When I went through it, it was at Fort Ben Harrison, Indiana. Uh, it moved to Fort Meade, Maryland in 1995. You were there for six months. What exact skills did you learn? Essentially, what you're trying to do is exactly what the course name tells you. Mass communication foundations. So that's exactly the skill set I would say I have. I have the foundation within all of those core competencies, photography, journalism, videography, public affairs, graphic design, all those things that I had no idea what I was doing in, no idea, you know, nervous the first time you even pick up one of the cameras, you know, went from being nervous to carry around a camera. So I did go from being almost scared to pick up the camera to by the end, honored with Outstanding Storyteller Award. I'm very proud and I'm very happy that I was given the opportunity to go to Dimphos. And I think for someone like me to be able to have come that far in six months is a testament to the, the school and to the instructors to be able to 
give you all of the tools that you need to be able to figure it out, um, even when you're starting at zero like I was. Yeah, I went through the basic journalism course. Craig, you went through the broadcaster's course. Yes. So there are different avenues. There are follow-on courses where you can focus on broadcasting, graphic design, where you get an extra six to eight weeks of specific training outside of the foundations course. Okay. So just just for clarification, when I went through, it was there were two main courses, broadcast communication specialists and then photojournalists. And then pretty much right when I got back, those two things were combined. And now it's mass communications foundations. When I went through the broadcasting course, I had three weeks of radio training. And I don't believe that's anything that you guys had. So that's now, that kind of falls into those, those follow-on courses. Or you show up at your first duty station and they teach you on your first day. That too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> on the job training constantly. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you only come two days a, you know, a month. Yeah, we live and breathe it. Sure we do. do. Last but not least is Major Matt Eck, the Chief of Public Affairs. You've been in the 180th for 24 years and now command quite a staff, all of whom are DINFOS grads or about to go to DINFOS. I think you just hired Green Airmen, I guess you would call them. Yep, not even, uh, not even basic training yet. <laughs> in fact, you also attended DINFOS, uh, going through the Broadcasting and Public Affairs Officers courses. But you didn't start your military career in public affairs. In fact, you were actually a weapons loader before transferring to the Public Affairs Office in 2010 as a traditional guardsman videographer. Uh, That is actually the demographic of our military veterans and journalism membership. Veterans with non-journalist jobs like nursing or security forces, but compelled to transition into journalism after they get out of the service. That is our membership. What inspired you to make the switch from weapons loader to videographer back in 2010? Well, I was uh, working for the Lake Erie Monsters at the time and Cleveland Cavaliers and doing video production. Uh, still have that role and oversee live events uh, at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for the Cavaliers. And I went over to, uh, I was actually on a deployment, uh, or a TDY, down to Nellis, and I ran into Sergeant Holliker. And we were talking, and she's like, hey, we might be looking for a videographer sometime in the future. So we kept in touch over the next few years and ended up deciding that was the right decision for me. Sometimes it's who you know. Getting out there and uh, she was looking for somebody. I was, you know, maybe obviously looking for a change. Uh, I loved my time out on the flight line, but it was, it was time to kind of see what else was out there. Can you tell us what a public affairs officer does? I know it's a lot, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that uh, when you were talking to Beth earlier, she's like, you know, we got a really great motivated staff. And, you know, I, I had to write a couple things down. Uh, she's the backbone of this operation, uh, being out here full time and just has a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, all those awards are, are, are from her setting those foundations with everybody. So as a public affairs officer, I think with, uh, with both of us, you know, I, she was my uh, supervisor. And then uh, when I became an officer, I'm her supervisor. But I think we're a great team. And, you know, she comes with a lot of the technical knowledge and, and something, even if I started today being full time, there's no way I would be able to catch up to her. You know, especially in the guard, what I come from my civilian world is just, you know, there's a lot of entertainment and a lot of like studying, you know, how are we going to communicate this in a way that's 
appealing to people and makes people want to watch that or watch this or read this or listen to that. You know, not getting too deep into like, oh, what the public affairs officer roles are is a lot of, you know, talking over the course of the month to my wonderful superintendent and uh, Sergeant York, who's out here, just seeing if they need any support on anything. Uh, sometimes they'll call me up and bounce things out. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? A lot of times it, you know what to do. You, you know, you know, you just needed my, my ear. And other times it's like, yeah, let's, you know, let's go this direction or go that direction, depending on what circumstances that, that we're dealing with. And then coming out here, it's uh, a lot of, you know, we have a very talented, motivated crew and, you know, it, that, that goes back to Beth. And you look around of the, the different people that we've had through here, the different service members, team members, and where they are in their careers that haven't stayed here. They're out running other public affairs shops. So it's a lot of me just making sure that I get out of their way and where can I pick up, you know, where they need certain things. What today is going to make the shop run better? You know, what obstacles are they facing so that, you know, we can eliminate those so they can do the best job possible? I know that your office maintains a public website, uh, social media, and the base newsletter, The Stinger. Can you briefly go over the social media policy in this office, as well as all military personnel and the Air Guard? I know that's a really hot topic right now, particularly with uh, TikTok. I'm going to bring in uh, Sergeant Holliker, bring her back to the table. In this office... We don't really have a policy. We want to reach out to our community and let them know who we are. If we have an information or we don't have information, we have just a cool photo and showing them behind the scenes of what we're doing, we put it out there. Um, we try to make sure everything's tasteful and tactful. We maintain operational security and informational security, but we really just want to engage with our community, with Ohio, as far as we can go. And we're doing a really great job of that. We have over 32,000 followers on Facebook alone, and the Air National Guard has 35,000. So it's pretty great for a small base in Toledo, Ohio. And as far as social media for military personnel, these days, everyone's a storyteller, not just your public affairs office. So it's encouraged that our unit members are out there and sharing their stories on their own personal social media pages. And there, there's a lot of training um, especially with, you know, sensitive information that is getting out sometimes when it shouldn't. So everyone goes through a lot of training. They learn what they should and shouldn't be saying, how to protect the mission, but how to tell a story. So as long as they're staying in their lane and sharing the great things they're doing, we want to see that across the military. There are recruiters, too. And I think with uh, what everybody in this office does is has a good semblance of what we should be putting out there and what could cause an issue or making sure that you're edited correctly and um, everybody bounces off each other. And then, you know, where you have to, you rely on your subject matter experts and saying like, hey, you know, this particular thing, you know, are we, are we good here? Are we not violating any security issues? And you go to, you know, those subject matter experts in those areas and those fields, and you make sure that you're putting out the right information. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a great, you know, turn it back to, to Beth again and, and the entire team, you know, those messages that, that need to get out there over the course of the year. Um, there's a elaborate spreadsheet of all the, I mean, you, you know, it, you've seen them all. But those things are important, um, especially when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion and making sure that people see people who are like them 
that are serving in, in, in our armed forces that they can come out and, and they, they, they feel welcome as well so that we have a more diverse and a better force. Let's talk about the Stinger for a minute. When I was editor of the Stinger, it was hard copy. And everybody got it in the mail in, in their you know, old-fashioned mailboxes. I'm assuming it's online now? Everything's online, but still to this day I get questions about, it was so nice when we got a printed copy sent to us, but, you know, times are different, budgets are tight, and we're focused on mission readiness and fighting the fight. So, but today with the instant news sharing, instant information sharing, we put everything online. We've got multiple forums. We use the um, DIVIDS, Defense Video Visual Information Distribution System. We put it out there. And we put it on our social media and our website, and we send it out to all unit members and key community groups. So during COVID, we took a little bit of a pause on the Stinger, and we brought it back this past winter. We're going to try and do it annually. Um, And if we can continue the success of that, we might bring it back to quarterly like we used to. Um, It's definitely a passion project, and it's fun to get everything in there in one spot and recognize our airmen. Are you saying that the Stinger isn't monthly? It is not monthly. Ooh. It is not. (laughs) That kept me busy. It It was hard putting it out monthly because I have to say, uh, by the time I got everything from everybody who was contributing it to, we we used uh, UPARS, Unit Public Affairs Representatives, back then. It, It was past Sunday when they would give me the information. So I ended up working on it at home on my own time every time. And the UPAR program has kind of gone far and away in a lot of air units. Um, there are so many additional duties the airmen face in their various sections that this is just a hard one to get support. We do have a few folks who um, have a passion for photography and if we can't be there, they'll take photos for us. But mostly everything is self-generated from our office in the Stinger and we do the best that we can to try to cover as many trips as we can and as many events as we can. But as we talked about with Dinfos, we are all kind of mass communication specialists now. We don't have just photographers and just journalists. So we don't have a one person working on articles all of the time and one person providing photography. So they may be spread out doing other projects. So right now we're going to try annual and then maybe twice a year and then go back to quarterly. So that way we can put it all in there and it's a beautiful spread and it highlights our airmen, our missions, and keeps our community engaged with us. There is a buzz that goes out. And that's the, here's what you need to know for your weekend. And that's three, four, or five pages sometimes. That's an internal only. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So there's still that information's getting out to the internal masses. Um, but the Stinger is, uh, is that uh, yearly thing. And it focuses more on, uh, more on those articles and pictures now. And the Stinger has won one year at one first place at the National Guard Bureau Media Awards. So for the digital layout and the content. Congratulations. That doesn't surprise me. Congratulations to you, too, because you're part of that legacy. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. It was a chore of love, I guess you can call it. Yeah. It was a source of pride that I always had. Uh, So, Matt, like Beth, you also have a civilian side gig, which you mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, Tell us about how you got that gig with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Our paths uh, crossed, you know, indirectly a couple times. We overlapped a year here at the uh, 180th Fighter Wing. I was in 99, and you you left in 2000. But um, I went to Kent State University. Oh, wow. So Me too. uh, Electronic media productions. I started after I had come out here. I enlisted when I was 19. 
And then I started uh, college when I was 21 in 2001. I needed an internship. And my roommate's like, why don't you play basketball? You love basketball. It's your favorite team. Why don't you call the Cavaliers up? So I did. We played phone tag and then then got in there uh, as an unpaid internship in uh, October 2006. And they haven't been able to get rid of me yet. So How fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, quite a run. You know, some, some very good basketball right off the bat and then some struggling years and then the championships. And yeah, and now where we are, you know, it's, it's good. It, it's a good parallel path, though. And a lot of things that I can take from here uh, to there and from there to here. And that goes on like a whole nother tangent about the uh, employer's part of the Garden Reserve and what roles that they've played and, and how it's helped in my career. And it just it just makes so much more sense, you know, if you're an employer out there to hire military. Major Eck um, was innovative in training our airmen here. When Craig came back to the office, we were down um, a videographer and didn't have anybody to train him. I'm not video by trade. So Major Eck was able to coordinate sending Craig out to the Cavs for a few days to train there in his office to show him the things that I couldn't show him here. It was good. And you know how you network and you, you meet with different... It's hot out. <laughs> oh. Hard work, 20 minutes work, 40 minutes resting. Please contact your supervisor for any questions. I'm keeping that in because not only did we hear a real announcement about the heat, we're hearing the F-16 jets. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and it's hot out, get inside. <laughs> drink water. Get, drink water, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And don't do PT right now. Don't do PT. In fact, some of your members did PT this morning, didn't they? Three of them did, and they all did very well. Uh, so this question is for either you, uh, Matt, or Beth. Uh, can you talk about the value this base adds to the community? There's many facets that the base adds. There's, you know, the monetary, which is the $111 million in both direct and indirect uh, economic impact. When, when I talk, I did this social media briefing today and talking to the new members and stuff like that. This base is very welcomed by the community. And I think that us being part of the community adds so much more. So it just kind of goes back and forth with the, the love that this community has for our, all of our service members when we're out and about. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you, you almost got to take off your uniform before you leave this gate if you don't want to pay for, or if you want to pay for your own meal. There's so much that happens out in this community. And, you know, that's reciprocated. We have so many volunteer hours and and we love giving back to this community i know that there's days in which you know we have the 5ks out here or you know we have different tours the flyovers but then each individual shop you know we were out at habitat for humanity uh, a couple months ago because we had a weekend where we we had a little bit of liberty and it was like hey let's go out together and go out to habitat for humanity and i know and i hear around base that a lot of the other different shops uh, do that as well the other thing that's really cool about the Air National Guard in general compared to the active duty and the 180th is a perfect example is most of our unit members are from this community. They're born, they're raised here, they live here, they raise their families here, they work in our communities throughout Northwest Ohio, their kids go to school here. So they're very invested in this community. Whereas active duty, 
you know, people are transitioning from duty stations every four years. So there's, they don't build those roots that we have here. So like Major X said, being in the community and volunteering at Habitat for Humanity or any other event, going to the schools, we take pride in that. It's very important to us because we live here and this is our community. So we like to give back and invest in our community because this is our home. And it was interesting too, you know, the, then there's the mission, right? And, uh, you know, 20 some years in, uh, I had not been on state active duty. And then twice in one year, I was called to my hometown of Cleveland for the, the riots that happened and then the three-month vaccination clinic. For military active duty, uh, getting out and transitioning, the Guard and Reserve are fantastic options to or learn journalism skills and you know go to DINFOs and learn what they did not learn when they were active duty. Absolutely. The Guard in general is the best kept secret. Any career that you choose in the Guard, you have opportunities to go to college. Ohio pays 100% tuition for a state college. You can travel and see the world while putting down roots in a really nice area of the country. Career opportunities, too, to come out to a base, but then you could, you could still move around, too. You can go to the other National Guard bases. You can go in and out of the reserves, uh, and then there's a lot to do. And you could get to know it a, a little bit easier if you're in the Guard and then in the active duty. Thank you. Craig, I want to talk to you about training. Yes. You have a training, how would you put it? He has excelled at training here at the 180th Fighter Wing, and I think it was during COVID when everything was shut down, he kind of thought, let's work on some virtual training in a field that he loves. So he has now launched his own business called TriPoint Media. Why don't you tell him about it? Yeah, so uh, TriPoint Media, it's kind of a few different things, but the, the main focus on it is educational materials. So I just launched uh, my first big course. It's a photography course that is simultaneously very basic, goes over some of the basics of, you know, your first time picking up a camera, all the way to some of the more technical things, like breaking down the math and science behind things like the inverse square law and how lenses focus light to give people the skills to be able to go out in any scenario and understand what's going on so that they can perform in any scenario. I see all the time people selling like cheat sheets and camera setting guides you're in this position then you should be using these camera settings but the problem is especially in journalism with how fast things move all the time you don't have time to pull out a cheat sheet and try to go through it you really need to understand everything going on and so that's kind of what my course and my business really aim to do and so I tried to design it in kind of like in a scalable manner so if you just want to know the basics my course can teach you the basics but if you want to learn a little bit more if you want to really understand everything then it'll also satisfy those people that really want to understand everything. Because I'm a little bit of a nerd. I like knowing how everything works, but I know not everyone's like that. So I kind of try to make it accessible to anyone who wants to learn really any amount of photography. So right now it's just photography, but I'm hoping to do some video stuff down the road. It takes a little bit more to teach some of that stuff. So I figured I'd start with the photography portion. Well, I've already told you that many of our members are just coming out of active duty and they're transitioning and they want to do photography, how would they sign up for that course? So my course, if you just go into the uh, the fancy Google machine, type in TriPoint Media, Understanding Photography, that's the name of my course, should be one of the first things that pops up. It's got a big red triangle for the logo, so if you see that, you're in the right place. Is it T-R-I or T-R-Y point? T-R-I, like a, like a triangle. 
Okay, so go ahead and spell it. So it's T-R-I-P-O-I-N-T media. Dot com? Uh, it's actually thinktripoint.com. Uh, someone in England took the, the domain name that I wanted, so I had to change it up a little bit. Thank you. I want to make it accessible and easy to find. Thank you. Is there anything else anybody wants to add that we haven't talked about? Well, I just want to start off by saying thank you for what you're doing. I was able to listen to a couple of the podcasts, and I enjoyed them. And it's a it's a bad problem to have because I listen to podcasts all the time, and I get and audio tapes and, and all this stuff. So I'm going to have to add this to that. The few that I've heard really, really enjoyed it. So thank you for inviting us on to, to be a part of that. And thank you for the work that you're doing and continue to do and telling the story. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Beth and Craig, Sarah and Matt for joining me on the Sword and Pen podcast. We really appreciate it. It was amazing talking to the public affairs specialist in an Air National Guard unit, the 180th Fighter Wing. I also want to thank the other airmen in the office who were patiently standing by, Senior Airman Brittany Capozzi, Airman First Class Nick Batani, and Cameron Ray, who is actually not here today. She is awaiting basic combat training and DINFO's attendance dates. Do you know when she'll be going to off the basic training? We do not. Today is her first weekend on the base. She's in a program called Student Flight that is geared to help brand new airmen start preparing for basic training. Things that I wish I would have had before I went to basic training. They practice physical fitness, they learn military rank and reporting instructions, so it prepares them a little more. So she's out here today for her first day. They had a signing ceremony and celebrating their commitment with other seniors from high school today. So hopefully we'll have her dates for basic training and technical school very soon. Oh, I wish her luck at Dinfos, and I hope she enjoys the learning experience. It's quite a unique adventure. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Sword and Pen. Don't forget to smash that Spotify subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. I am your host, Lori King, and you're dismissed. You've been listening to Sword and Pen, a military veterans in journalism podcast. 